I want you guys to close your eyes for just a moment. And I just want you inside your mind right now, I want you to picture inside your mind what the absolute best party looks like in your mind right now. Just take a moment. I want you to picture it inside your mind. Get it stuck in there. For me, there's a disco ball. There's definitely confetti cannons and a few giraffes. The best thing that you can imagine. Now look at me. There's a party happening that's better than that. And you are invited to it. You are invited to it. And I do, I mean you collectively, but I mean you specifically. You are invited to the party. And this morning, we're going to talk about our choices when it comes to having something so wonderful laid out before us and what our choices would be. When uh, I did see the message uh, title that was sent out, come to the party, the first thing I thought is, man, uh, where do I feel like I engage a, a party mentality mostly? And really, it's here. Uh, It's in this place. Uh, You know, when we have people over at the house from the church or when we're with the youth or whatever, I mean, I'm always up for a party and having a good time. And my wife and I often host parties at our house. And man, I tell you, there's nothing that brings me more satisfaction than I know that my guests who have come are having a great time, have enjoyed themselves, and leave talking about all the fun and all the excitement that they had. Uh, I don't know if you've hosted parties before. Anybody host a party before? And uh, have you ever hosted a party and nobody showed up? Okay, that's a little bit of a different feeling, isn't it? Whenever somebody doesn't show up to your party, right? Uh, and uh, and so today we're going to talk about a party that you're invited to and you need to really show up to. Uh, would you guys stand with me? Let's read our scripture. <clears throat> Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, "The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son." He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calf have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. The king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you that it brings life. 
I pray, Lord, this morning that as we evaluate our lives and the choices that we make, God, I ask, Lord, that you would be in the center of those decisions and those choices, Lord. We love you today. Let the things, Lord, that you want to stick with us change us for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you ever been in a situation where you were confronted with a choice, uh, but you really felt like you didn't have one? Anybody? There's a choice in this matter, but I really don't feel like I have a choice. I've got to choose A, or I've got to choose B, which ironically, if you're choosing between A and B, then you've you've got a choice. I've been in situations where I felt like, you know, I don't have a choice. I've got to make this decision. This is a decision that must be made. I don't have a choice about it. I've got to do this thing. And as I've come to evaluate what choices really are uh, and, and how we make uh, choices and decisions, I, I've come to realize that the reality is, is that in everything we say and do, we have choices. You have a choice about everything, whether you feel like you do or not. Now, the feeling... The feeling that you have that says, you know, I must make this choice, that might be a valid feeling, but the reality is, is that you have a choice. You're choosing right now to breathe. You're choosing to sit here and listen to me as I speak. You're choosing to get up this, you chose to get up this morning, you chose to come here. You're making a lot of choices. You're choosing to love your spouse. Yes? (laughs) Hallelujah. You're making a lot of choices. And our choices really do govern our lives. What we choose to do with our time, what we choose to do with, uh, with our resources, how we choose to, 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 to manage ourselves in terms of where we go and where we don't go, our choices really govern our lives. And what the world wants you to believe is that it's not that you don't have a choice, but the world wants you to believe that you have to make the choice that it's in control of. And the truth of the matter is, is that you have choices to make and you can make them, you can make those choices and and feel confident making those choices that are not a part of the world. This is, these are some of the things that the world throws our way that help uh, us to, to, Maybe that the world tries to control our choices or control the things that we do. Uh, Sometimes money influences our choices. Social media influences our choices. The news, what's going on in the world, influences our choices. Our career decisions might have, a, have something to do with our choices. Our time might have something to do with our choices. All of these things are in this world there to hinder you or to help you in your choice making. Now, when the world is giving us all of this, uh, these things and throwing all of these things in our way, we begin to become more and more handicapped in our choice making. Then all of a sudden we find ourselves feeling more and more like, I don't have a choice. I have to choose this. I have to choose this. I have to choose this. But when we clear the palette of what the world throws at us in our decision making and in our choices, then we begin to clearly and soberly evaluate our choices and our consequences. Now, I shared this once before, but I want to share it again. Consequences is not a bad word. Consequence is not a bad word. Uh, consequence, the word con, the, 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 the prefix con there of the sequence, that actually means with. And so whenever you make a good choice, the with sequence of that choice is the consequence. Are you with me? 
Okay? So if you make good choices, the with sequence would be good things to happen. Or if you make a bad choice, the with sequence would be the, the, the bad the bad consequence or the bad things that will happen because of these choices. So we have choices versus consequences. I want you to understand this morning that your choices have power. And I want you to understand that you have control over your choices, that you do have control over your choices. Your choices have the power to strengthen the grip of the world on you or propel you to places where you can experience the kingdom. Your choices have the power to strengthen the grip of the world on your life or propel you to places where you can experience the kingdom. And guys, I'm telling you, we want to be on the side where our choices are propelling us to experience the kingdom. Because the more we experience the kingdom, the better our choices become. The more we experience the kingdom, the better off we are in the outcome and the consequences of our lives. The more we experience the kingdom, the more we understand what the Lord is telling us and why he bids us come. So we're talking about a story today, and there's a king who, um, who, is, uh, who is throwing a, a wedding banquet, and he is, he's causing the people to make a choice. And I want you to know that the choice that you have to make, I think one of the most important choices that you're going to make in your life for a variety of things is this choice right here. Will you show up? Yes or no? Will you show up? Yes or no? If there's anything that I want you to leave here today with, it's this question. I want you to ponder and chew this question. Will you show up? And I don't just mean physically. How many know that you can be present physically, but you can be absent emotionally, spiritually, mentally? I'm talking about, are you going to show up and are you going to be all in? Will you show up? Uh, many of you guys know that I've, uh, Arwen and I are like brother, Arwen Jones and I were like brother and sister. And, you know, I went to, when she went to Trevecca, I would go and visit her um, each week and we would have lunch and connect. And uh, she was telling me about a play that she was in. And uh, for several weeks, she was telling me about it. There's rehearsals and all of these things with it. And uh, it got to the week of the play and I didn't go. And, uh, and I don't remember why I didn't go. I don't remember what the circumstances behind it were, but I just, I didn't, I didn't go to the play. So the next week when we met, she was telling me about the play. I asked her, I said, how, you know, how was the, how was the show? How, all of these things, the audiences, all that. She was telling me all about that. And then she made mention about somebody videoing the, the production, videoing the play. And, uh, and she was making some type of comment about the video because she had seen it. And I said, well, hey, I want to I get that video. I want to see it. And she looked at me and she said, no way. If you wanted to see the play, you should have showed up in person. There's a world of difference in seeing a play on video than on the stage. Will you show up? What you need to understand this morning, church, is that your presence is significant. Your presence is important. So will you show up when the invitation comes? The king, he's throwing a banquet. He's throwing a party. Remember that party that you were dreaming of? He's throwing a party. 
and he's invited all of these guests. And, you know, we, we don't get the privilege. Probably sometimes it's good that we don't get the privilege because I don't think we would read it if we did have this privilege. But we don't get the privilege of, the, like, the long version of these stories. We just walk in and, hey, there's this wedding banquet that's been set up. If you've hosted a party before, you know how much work it takes to set up and get ready for a party, okay? Well, this king is throwing an amazing party. And why is he throwing this amazing party? Because this party isn't just for anyone. This party is for his son. And the parallel that we're going to work with here that's in this story is that the king is like Father God and the son is Jesus, right? And so this king is throwing a wedding banquet for his son and he is going all out to throw the absolute best party that has been seen. And so he does all of these preparations, and you can imagine how much time, lead time. I mean, goodness, for for some of you who plan weddings, it's six months, 12 months of planning, all of these things. I wonder how long it was to plan this banquet, the best banquet that was around. And so the king is planning and making all these preparations, and it has been a long time. And the time has finally come for the guests to come and enjoy the party and celebrate the sun. And so he gathers his servants and he sends the servants out and he says, hey, go tell them the party's ready. It's ready. It's ready to take off. They need to come. Let's go. And so they go out into the streets, into the town. They find the people who have the invitations and say, come on, the party's ready. Let's go. Let's go. And the people, they scurry around with the people with the invitations and the people respond. And they refused to come. They didn't just come. They refused to come. Now, I want you to understand that we're dealing with a king. And I don't know if that we understand the gravity of that. When you're dealing with a king, you're dealing with somebody who has kind of has your life in the palm of their hand. Right? And so this here, when, 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 when they refused to come, that was that that within itself was enough for the king to say, kill them all. Kill them all. Can you believe that? To say no to the king? Have you lost your mind? But that's not how he responds in this, in this, in this story. I love the character of the king in this story. You're going to see multiple times here as we unfold and unpackage this, the king's response here. And the king's response to the servants is, it's, I, I see it as him saying, look, what? They're, they're not coming? Wait, wait. They, they might not understand. They must have forgotten who this party is for. Right? They must, be, they must be too weak to really understand that, 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 that this, is, this is important. I tell you what, go back to them and tell them, listen, the fatted calf has been killed. I mean, this isn't just like your average party. I'm throwing down and you need to be a part of it. Go get the people who have the invitations and tell them, come to the party. Come to the party. So the servants rallied around. They went out into the streets and they went back and delivered the message of the king. And the response was virtually the same. It says that one went to their fields, another went to their place of business. Man, when it comes to making decisions, when it comes to making decisions with the king involved, man, I hope that we would be a people who would err on the side of not fueling the strength of the world's grip, but getting into a place where our choices are propelling us into places where we can experience the kingdom. These people had no idea what they were about to miss out on by the choice that they were making. And they were choosing their work. They were choosing their homes. They were choosing other things than to go and spend time with the king. What does that, how does that relate to you in your life? 
Is your life so busy? You know, you can be so busy. And guess what? You can even be so busy doing the Lord's work that you miss spending time with Him. You can be so busy doing this and doing that that you miss the whole point is to spend time with Him. And the more that we invest into this world and into this world system, and we choose that part from the kingdom, the tighter that grip the world is going to have on our lives. We want to experience the kingdom and the fullness therein. And so these people said, nope, I've got, I've got other things to do. I've got, I've got this to do. I've got that to do. And even within the parable, we read that the king really doesn't respond. Really, he didn't read that he responds to them saying, i got to go to my field, my business. The king does respond to something because right after it says, then other people seized the servants, mistreated them, and killed them. Now, there's one thing that I know about my God is that you don't mess with his kids. You don't mess with those who belong to the king. And immediately after that, it says the king was enraged. And you know what he did? He didn't go out there and reprimand them, sit them in a corner. He says he killed them and he burned down their cities. Why was he enraged? Why did he make that choice? He made that choice because the people messed with his servants. I don't know if you're in a place in your life right now where you feel like you're doing the work of the king, that you feel like you're being sent out, but man, you're being persecuted on every side. Have you ever felt that way? Man, I feel like I'm doing, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. God, I've stepped out. I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the job that you've asked me to do, and I'm going to these places, but man, I am being mistreated. I am being persecuted. Life seems so unfair. Anybody ever felt that way? Okay, I'm, gonna hear, I'm here to tell you something. I want you to be encouraged because nobody can mess with the king's kids. Nobody can mess with If you belong to the Lord and you're doing his work, people can't mess with you. And now it might feel that way. Paul even mentions uh, that they are persecuted on, but they're not, they're not beaten down, right? Okay, listen, you're going you're gonna to be, you're gonna, you're gonna, at times you're going to be mistreated. At times, you're going you're gonna to feel the, the, the effect of, of, of stepping out and doing the king's work, but you need to understand that he's on your side, right? Because you've chosen him. This is what the, uh, the scripture says. Well, I'm sorry. This is Billy Graham. Because <laughs> we're talking about servants. Billy Graham passed away. He, 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 um, he actually went to be with the Lord uh, this past week at the age of 99. And Billy Graham, you know, his assignment in life was to extend an invitation to the most glorious party anybody could be a part of. And he won multitudes to the Lord. And I know that this probably isn't true, but I like to think that it took the Lord 99 years to prepare the homecoming celebration for this man to come home. There's nothing... There was nothing extraordinary about Billy Graham except for the fact that he said, okay, I'll do it. Because whenever the question was posed to him, will you show up? It was a yes. One of the quotes that Billy Graham uh, says is this, and it's one of my favorites, says, it is the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. So when you're out and you're being sent from the king into the workplace or into doing things that the Lord, you know, the Lord's got you in a certain place and you come against friction, you come against persecution and things like that, you have a responsibility on how you respond in those situations. 
right? Vindication, right? Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. And I'm going to tell you something. His is much better than what you can even dream up. This is what Psalms says about this issue. Do not fret because those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord. And guess what? He's going to give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Now, when you read this, what are all of these things? These sentences you read, I look at this and I see choice, 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 choice. It's a choice to trust in the Lord. It's a choice to take delight in the Lord. It's a choice to commit your way to the Lord. And when we make choices, we have consequences. And those consequences can be good things or bad things. And I guarantee if you follow this path, there's going to be some good consequences waiting on the other side of that. Amen? And so you face off and you say, Lord, you sent me out to do this task. And I'm trying to invite, I'm trying to infuse this place with light. I'm trying to send an invitation. And I'm being persecuted. This is what Jesus actually commissions us to do. He says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on your cheek, turn to them, the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold their shirt, your shirt for them. Go or give to everyone who asks you. And if any, anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Man, it takes a lot to be able to do that. Now, let me tell you something. If you're in the grip of the world, you're not going to be able to have strength to do that. But if you've been propelled into a position of experiencing the kingdom, this becomes easier because you know the king. And you know his MO. And you know the character of who he is. Can't mess with God's kids. And so the king brings the servants back around after he has destroyed the people and destroyed the city. And he says, listen, the people who had the invitations, they didn't deserve to come. They didn't deserve to come. So I'm going to send you back out, and I want you to go to the street corners this time. I want you to go to those dark alleyways, and I want you to find anyone who will come. Anyone means anyone. Anyone means anyone. Guys, that, that excites me because I'm anyone. I'm, I'm a part of anyone, right? And so these servants, you got to think, man, they're going into places. They're not going to the people that already got the invitation. These servants are going out to dark alleys, to unknown places, to talk to people that they're not comfortable with. Have you ever been asked to talk to somebody that you're not comfortable talking to about the Lord? So they're going all those places. Now, they could have said, no, king, don't do this because our friends just got murdered. But you know what? They didn't say that because the Lord demonstrated what he does to those who mess with his kids. Are you with me? And so they got to go out in confidence. When you know the Lord, when you know the king, you can operate your life with confidence no matter what's coming at you. And so they choose to go out. They choose to obey and they go out and they do. They find anyone. And you know what it said? It said that the wedding hall was filled with perfect people. No, it didn't say that at all. It said the wedding hall was filled with bad people and good people. Any bad people here? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> bad people and good people. You mean the drug addict on the side of the road was invited to this party? He sure was. 
You mean the person who's gossiping around the corner? They were invited? Yes, she was. Do you mean the person who cheated on his wife? He was invited? Yes, he was invited as well. Because the prerequisite in order to come to the party was a choice that said, I will show up. I will show up. The invitation is to anyone. It's to anyone. And so they go out and the people respond and they come to the party. And then there was this man. Then there was this man. And, they, and, I, and I see this in my spirit and I see him walking up the steps. And I see him looking around and he doesn't look like everybody else. And he's looking and scanning the room and he sees all of these people. And at that moment, before he crosses over the threshold into the room, he has a choice. He can go and put on the correct garment or he can just go in and try to hide in the crowd. And he makes his choice and he steps into that banquet. He takes of the king's food. He dances with the people. He mingles with the merriment. And he tries to go under and fly under the radar. I want you to know that in the kingdom, there's no such thing as flying under the radar. The king sees everything that happens. And so he's in there and the king comes in and the king's ready to celebrate his son and celebrate the people who are there. And it's so exciting. He looks and he pans the room and he sees this man. This is again what I love about this king. Because in that moment, it should have been out. Off with his head. I mean, just gone, right? No, he makes his way. Can you, can you comprehend a king lowering himself to the level to engage a conversation of somebody who didn't do what they were supposed to do? So he goes to this man and he says, how did you get in here without your wedding clothes, friend? That friend word is, is important because it tells you what the frame of reference of the mind, what, what the king was thinking in that moment. Surely there's an explanation here. I want you to be here, but surely there's an explanation that you didn't come in the right way. And it says that the man was silent. It said the man was silent. And so then the king realized you didn't come prepared because you don't regard who this party is for. And so they tied him up and they threw him out. Here's the significance of this part of the story. It was customary for the king to provide all the wedding garments for all the guests. So it wasn't that this man didn't have something good enough to wear. It's that he chose not to wear what was given to him. Let me tell you something. Pastor Ronnie last week ended the message, and one of the things that he said is that Christ is not looking for your best. Guys, you're not worthy enough to go to this party. You've been invited to this party, but you're not worthy enough to go. You've got to put on the king's attire in order to go into his presence. Your worthiness is like filthy rags. You've got to put on his righteousness in order to go into the kingdom. So all of this trying, all of these excuses of why we don't say I'm going to show up, all of these things that, that stop us from getting there, from getting to the place where when, some, when, that, when we're told come to the party, we say no. All of those things that we build, those walls, the grip that the world has over us, all of those things are negated when you put on the worthiness of the king. 
And so he makes you worthy. You don't make yourself worthy. And this man chose not to put on the king's worthiness, yet still tried to partake of his, of his feast. Are you with me? This culture is saturated with the need to be, per, to be perfect. The generation coming up, parents, I'm telling you right now, I'm dealing with teens left and right. You know, we just went on a retreat. They were giving up things, issues, struggles. You know what their struggle is? The large struggle in the youth, and our youth here and in youth at large, is they feel the need to be perfect. And because they can't achieve that, they reject anything that they can, that, 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 that possibly is. That. They can't believe that the grace of the blood of Jesus Christ would be sufficient enough for them because they've got to work. They've got to work. And sometimes we as parents, we place such demands on our kids that they feel like they have to reach this, this level of perfection. But guess what? In the party, perfection is not a requirement here. Because no matter how much in terms of perfection you think you have, it's like filthy rags. You need to wear the cloak that the king gives you. Put it on and choose to come. So here's the thing. This is what the worship team can come. This is what stands in your way from coming to the party. The one thing that stands in your way, it's not that you're not good enough. It's not that you got to get your life in order. It's not that you, you've got to take care of that sin issue or this sin issue. What stands in your way from the party is this. It's a choice. Will you show up? Will you show up? And if you do, you won't regret it.